why don't you join us too as well? I, I do want to, I want you to ask us questions in a moment, but Tyler, um, <laughs> how about you go, <laughs> how about you start off with uh, just your first impressions of the Q2 earnings? Uh, wow. I, uh, I was really excited to be here 30 minutes ago and, and uh, kick us off and start talking about everything, <laughs> but I just deleted Twitter twice and I don't know. I'm not good at tech stuff, so so here we are now. Thanks everyone for your patience. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so today was today was a big day uh, for for Open Door. I think it's this strange juxtaposition between the hottest real estate market we've ever seen and the fastest cooling market we've ever seen. And I think that that transition point is really fascinating because even for a company like Open Door. Uh, that has all this demand data and all these all these m- measures in place to be as conservative as possible. It seems like, you know, to a certain extent, for at least a month or two, um, they they really didn't see this coming. And I think uh, that's that's really fascinating to watch as we transition from this up market to down market. Um, and you know. Obviously, the commentary around the quarter with exclusives and the update on the financing app, and then also this this incredible Zillow uh, partnership, it, it really gives us a lot of fodder to talk about what's ahead for the company. So, uh, let's speaking of the Zillow partnership. Um, 24 hours ago, nobody here could have imagined that we would be. Um, what do you think about this as a top of fun- excuse me as top of funnel here in the next three quarters? Do you think this is going to fundamentally change? Is this free advertising on Zillow platform? How's this going to work? Does anybody really know? I'm very interested. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you look at Zillow's earnings report, um, they actually feature this half of a page in their shareholder letter um, where they talk about this exclusive multi-year partnership with open door. And, you know, it's like an interview with an NFL player at, after a game, like not a lot is said. Um, it's it's kind of just like boilerplate, but there's a lot I think that can be gleaned from this. I think, I think from Zillow's perspective, Zillow really wants to get back into the seller side and they, they really lost a lot of power on the sell side of the transaction when they exited eye buying. And that's really open doors forte. And I guess if you can't beat them, join them. Um, and so that's that's what Zillow is doing. And they're going to make a cut on every uh, open door sale. And that, that's their core business, right? Like they're like Google. They're they're an advertising business. And so they're looking for a capital light way of participating more in the selling transaction. And what Zillow said is, you know, they'll get a cut for every sale uh, for any, any prospective uh, customer who also wants a realtor, they'll get a Zillow, uh, Zillow premier agent. And then Zillow is also going to bundle um, buy side uh, products for that customer. So it's actually a pretty good deal for Zillow. What Open Door is getting is possibly even more critical, especially today. Um, I recently wrote that you know Open Door has about 15,000 homes in inventory uh, in a pretty, pretty slow market. And so you start to wonder, you know, what are the levers that they can use to accelerate volumes? And Zillow is, has 200 plus million monthly active users that are now going to be able to get the best of both worlds, right? It's like if Zillow 
uh, continue deny buying, which they didn't, but now they got Open Door, who really has mastered that that side of the equation. Um, and then they're also connected to Zillow's extensive network of premier agents, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I think it's net positive for for both companies, um, but Zillow is getting to double dip a little bit with uh, a very capital light business, whereas Open Door is really just getting improved top of funnel. I wonder, is it is it going to be just like on the Zillow website, you look up a home and then there's just a little uh, little button that says, hey, Open Door is offering this much or not, maybe, maybe not that way since it's more of like a buy side. Is it going to be more buy side for the Zillow partnership? Yeah. So, so basically like, I mean, in its, in its ultimate form, it's very similar to, to how we've, we've imagined open door exclusives, um, uh, without some of the, you know, the pomp and, and finery that exclusives currently has around appraisal match guarantee and decreased price and not listed on the MLS. What it really is, is it's a two sided marketplace. And so, um, you know, we have, we're going to have customers who come in and they're able to get, uh, you know, browse homes, but also, or sorry, they're, they're able to list their home, but also get an immediate offer if they want to. And so they're, they're, they're kind of getting best of both worlds. Like for example, right. Let's, uh, if, if you, if you list your ahead. home on open door right now, that's great. And there's, there's a lot of eyeballs on that, but there's no company that commands the same number of eyeballs as Zillow. And so, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a net positive for both, for both companies, but open door is suddenly getting basically a 10 X in terms of audience, um, looking at, yeah, you know, selling their home to open door. I think a good example of how that could work is when we look at the Redfin integration. I think we talked about this a bit on the Discord yesterday, uh, where um, basically on eligible homes, you see uh, that you can sell your door, uh, your home on Open Door, and then you go for a funnel where you can actually decide if you go with Open Door or use uh, Redfin services. I assume it will be a similar funnel with Zillow. But we haven't seen any details yet. Hopefully, the partnerships will kick off sometime in Q3. All right. So, uh, real quickly, if you can mute your mic, if you're not talking, that'd be great. Uh, now, let's start talking about the data door prediction, data door how close Datador was and how Wall Street was. Um, Sebastian, I don't know if you want to head into that or Tyler, uh, Tyler, you can take that away. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard every quarter and we, we have so much, we, we have access to so much data and what Sebastian has built is so powerful in a lot of different ways. And, and even still, like we, we really have to worry over the, the data and the analytics and, and really think hard about, you know, what the numbers are going to look like for a given quarter based on, um, you know, random things. Like for example, this recent $3,500 realtor commission bonus that open door is offering until September 30th, we have to sort of weigh the impact of that on, on selling costs. And I think, you know, what we've been really excited about is we're now at the point where 
I think we're within single digit percentage point accuracy for all of our most important KPIs two months into the quarter. And that gives us a lot deeper understanding in, into the business, right? Like we're seeing a month and a half, two months in, into the future and in, in, in a lot of different metrics outside of purchases. Purchases are, are just like the way that purchases happen. It's a very delayed metric. But um, now more than ever, I think is with all this volatility, it's so important to to kind of understand these transactions and velocity. And, and as open door scales, it's going to be it's going to be really like a, a leading metric for real estate health, right? Like in, in the various markets that it operates in. And so um, again, I, I really believe that this is an area that's going to become more and more important over the years. Speaking about that volatility, a lot of people thought three months ago that open door was just going to be left holding the bag on a lot of these homes. Um, it was kind of shaky. There was a lot, of course, this is a, a brand new market that open door is creating. Um, and, and we're, 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 we're on the bleeding edge of this type of technology. So there's always a little bit of little quirks and, and weird things that are going on that we're just, we're learning about every day. It's almost similar to Tesla, uh, with EVs, but, uh, of course this is data science. Um, what were some interesting things that's happened in the last three months, Tyler, that you weren't privy to or, or weren't expecting when it comes to open doors results? Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, to your point uh, about like, we're all worried that open door is going to be left holding the bag. I think all, all of our estimates and all, all of sort of what I've written about open door as it's co as a company and whether or not they're going to be able to navigate a down market, it's, it's all theory, right? And, and it's, it's well-intentioned and it's in some cases based on data, but, but at the end of the day, like until you have a down market, until you get punched in the face, like it, it's hard to know how you're actually going to respond. And what's unique and surprising about the current market is just the, the speed that it changed. Um, and not, sorry, not just the speed, but also the amplitude, right? Like peak to trough, we went, we went farther in, in a one month period in terms of home price depreciation than, um, than all of, you know, the, 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 the individual months of, uh, the great financial, um, recession. And, and I, I think that, that speed and that volatility and then mortgages, you know, going, doing 40 years of, of increases, um, over such a short period of time, all of that volatility, I imagine is really hard to predict. And I, I don't think that's an excuse for the company. I think, I think even still, I would have liked to see them respond a with a little bit more agility than they have. Um, but I do think this th the thesis is still intact. And, and as they mentioned, they're sort of back on track now, right? Like they had a few months of, of bad purchases, um, sort of in the summer and now they're at the point where they're widening spreads and they're somehow still maintaining conversion. And that's because, as we've always talked about, um, liquidity, premium, certainty and speed have much more value for a consumer in uncertain times, which is what we're currently living in. And so if I had to point to one surprise sort of for this year, it's the transition that we're currently making. And and I'd say Open Doors C minus response to it. All right. So I do want to bring up contribution, profit margin, 
and gross margin uh, compared to OfferPad and Redfin. Um, it looks like 500 basis points higher than uh, OfferPad and 760 basis points higher contribution profit margin than Redfin. Um, <laughs> this is most likely expected, wasn't this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, after after I kind of like uh, an- answer this question, I'd love to hear sort of any questions that anyone has from the audience or, you know, if anyone has any concerns or what they thought was interesting about the quarter. But I, I would say that um, Q2 is still a tour de force for Open Door, and and there's no question that Open Door is the you know the king or queen of eye buying. Like they they crushed Q2 in terms of margin, and you know we did see some write downs for inventory. That's a Q3 Q4 problem, um, and you know we're going to see that. But it, it is hardly you know what we're seeing. The difficulties that they're facing is hardly exclusive to Open Door, um, and so if they're struggling, you know that. Offerpad and Redfin now are struggling as well. I, I will say that Offerpad is, has done a pretty decent job of, of developing a profitable business, um, albeit a smaller one than Open Door. And they're doing it a different way. They have a, a different strategy. But, um, but I mean, they're, they're facing these same headwinds, uh, of course, right? And, and I think it's encouraging as a, you know, a, as a bull on the space to see that this is not just a one company problem, that everyone is kind of fighting the same tide. Um, but the back half of the year is going to be tough for these companies. With that being said, uh, let's open it up. If anybody wants to request, just go ahead and hit the request button. I'll add you as a speaker. Uh, for those of you that are already a speaker, I know VP Power, VR Power, was just talking to him just a moment ago. Um, feel free to ask a question. Hey there. Gotta... Uh, can you hear me? I can. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm pretty new to following Open Door. I actually really got into it thanks to Tyler's work with with Data Door. So thank you again for that. Um, I think one thing I'm really curious about. I've worked in mature marketplaces in my past, and I think one of the things that you often find with low margin marketplaces is it's the ancillary service lines that tend to be much higher margin and provide a cushion, uh, whereas the lower margin is sort of like get the flywheel going, get supply and demand side going. And it seems like Open Door is very much focused on that piece right now. And I'm curious when and where you see the opportunity for the ancillary service lines, if at all, that can sort of be higher margin, whether that be, I don't know, escrow title insurance mortgage i know more i know they have a mortgage product yet uh right now but yeah i'm just kind of curious like do we see it being a 10 percent margin business in terminal velocity yeah um I, I i can take this one that is a that is a great question and i think it's 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 definitely one of the least understood aspects of the business and and actually i think Opendoor probably overvalued um, ancillary services in its first year as a um, as a public company. It was like, hey, we're going to add all these ancillary services. The business is going to be great. And then, you know, when they did their investor presentation in Q1, they sort of dialed that back and said, our core our core focus is on eye buying right now. And the reason the reason for that is like if you actually dig into the numbers, the ancillary services are so small 
just numerically by revenue because open door is quoting a home sale the entirety of a home sale is revenue right so if you have a four hundred thousand dollar home sold and you attach a mortgage that's only five thousand dollars maybe of of ancillary revenue right so you're at like one point change of of ancillary gross profit revenue or, or ancillary gross gross profit or revenue however however you want to hash it I'm, I'm sure it's high gross margin but um, but let's call it revenue for for the sake of this. So, so that that's a problem, right? Because then you have to get up to a very high level of mortgage attached for it to be relevant, right? Because if you only get it up to fifty percent, maybe maybe now you've added forty basis points to gross profit margin, and that's a huge scaling up. That's like a twenty to twenty five x scale from from today's mortgage attached. And so, so I don't think of it as as one is. Is most important. I think I think Open Door needs to build mortgage, title, and escrow, homeowners insurance, home warranty, renovations. Um, it needs to build all of those services and bundle them. Moving, right? Moving is another one that needs to be in there as well. Um, and it needs to have a high attach rate, like at least twenty five percent, sort of across the board for all those services for it to be meaningful. And then you start looking at like a three percent uplift in gross profit. So that's that's one way that we can get to the double digit gross profits, maybe even 15 in a good market um, long-term. But the other thing that's really important to think about, and I think this is the most important for the company is exclusives. Because when you actually break down the difference between gross profit and contribution profit, the biggest difference between those two figures is the selling costs, right? That's like two and a half to 3% every quarter. Um, And when you're shooting for four to 6% contribution profit margin targets, that's a lot, right? So with open door exclusives, you eliminate those selling costs because there's no real real estate agent commission fee involved. And so that's a way, you know, if we get that up to 10%, that's still a meaningful contribution for the company, way more important than any single um, ancillary service. But then what exclusives can also do is create this third-party marketplace. And that's what Zillow is doing right now with the partnership with Open Door. Open Door, if they can do that long term and they can just get, you know, a 1% to 1.5% listing fee for all of these homeowners to list their homes on the platform and open door facilitates the sale and maybe attaches a few services. That's like, that's the long-term thesis for open door. That's, that's like open door is, you know, big tech company if they can do that. Um, and Zillow, Zillow can't do that anymore. They had their opportunity and, and it, it didn't work out. They're partnering with open door now, but they still, they still can't own both sides of that transaction. And so, if Open Door can build exclusives into that third-party marketplace, that's when the company really becomes um, the unit economics becomes so compelling that that being bearish on it just doesn't make sense. Also, to add to that, I think services become way easier to attach in when you own the checkout process, when you own the stage of the funnel where the buyer actually makes the purchase decision. Uh, a big uh, problem with mortgage attached is when you decide to sell your home, you probably already have a mortgage or decided uh, or researched uh, a mortgage where, to buy your next home, right? So it's it's the wrong uh, wrong time in, in the customer journey to attach a mortgage to that, which is solved with open to exclusives where you get the top funnel and you can attach a lot more services to that like Tyler said renovations etc and they recently bought or recently last year they bought 
two companies that will help with that, uh, which maybe Tyler can uh, remind us of again. Yeah, they bought Skylight and Pro.com. So two two renovation companies um, that I think that they can integrate successfully with you know with with their app. Um, we haven't heard any a lot of news about that, right? Like we haven't heard a lot of news about those companies and and how well they're doing. Or Open Door Max, for example, or Open Door Enterprise. These are all these are all like secret projects within the company that I think are going to be very material in the future. Um, but you know, you, you have to wonder what we have to do to get the company to, to release news about about these uh, these nascent products. Uh, if, if I can, this is Roy from, from Australia. Um, so at this point, I'm quite confident, I would say, that they can create sufficient value and, and monetize a decent chunk of that to be a profitable business. So I'm kind of thinking of the next stage, but it's also something that came through this week with the, the regulator of the FTC. It's, I'm kind of worried, and I wonder what your opinion is, because they didn't comment on it during a call, um, what they're going to do when you know the regulator comes, there's always a saying, you know, if 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 it moves, tax it; if it keeps moving, regulate it; if it stops moving, subsidize it. And uh, um, like a lot of people work as uh, uh, as agents, and we've already seen on the review sites of Open Door that all the reviews are basically fake. From all the bad reviews are fake from uh, uh, agents that just see competition coming. Yeah. What's happening when when these agents get to the regulator and the regulator you know wants to feel important, pound their chest, and, and goes after open door? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to uh, to kind of feel that it's. I, I mean, I, I think I think when we saw that open door hired a new chief legal officer. Um, there, were, there was a suspicion that there was going to be some sort of release um, uh, of new news about about the company, and it's a black eye. It's 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 not a great look, especially the week before earnings. I mean, I don't think that was a coincidence. the The issue, though, is any any time a company is attempting to disrupt an industry that hasn't been disrupted and has deep roots and a huge user base and um, you know, a lot of entrenched ideas in an emotional, in an emotional space to begin with, I, I think there's going to be friction and, and I don't expect this to be the end of regulation. Like, just like we saw with Airbnb in the hotel industry or Amazon with, with, um, you know, like, um, uh, retail, um, sort of brick and mortar retail. I think, you know, there's, there's these moments where you have these, these news articles and it's like, holy cow. And, you know, all the bears celebrate and um, you feel like the thesis is broken, but at the end of the day, open door is a fortress balance sheet. Like they have 62 million when they've already set aside 40. I mean, it, it's a pittance, even, even what they're going to lose in Q3 and, and Q4, it, it, it's a pittance relative to what the company needs to stay afloat. Uh, number one, but also it's old news, right? Like this happened years ago and it's just now being, uh, being announced and, you know, all, all of the people that I've, I've talked to that are, um, you know, interested in the company have been aware of this for a long time. And so I, I think it's, 
I think it's a bad look, but I also expect it as as Open Door is a boisterous upstart in a very very old entrenched industry. If, if I can push back on that a bit, just to challenge it. So, if you read the the LinkedIn posts from this regulator um, or some of the other posts that have, that's been made about it from from that source, the tenacity of the language just makes me feel like this is not the final round where they're going to get a black eye because it was like I said, location, location, location. How about deception, deception, deception? Um, it, it it sounds like they got it got it out for open door. Um, so I, I want like if you have a regulator that hates you, I've seen it as a consultant in so many different industries. Um, they will make your life hell, and sometimes they'll destroy you. I, I, I kind of want to take this real quick. Um, <clears throat> if you look at Open Doors advertisements, um, one thing that you'll notice is that. Uh, of course, they do have advertisements that are focusing on the value that they provide. You could see that by just their commercials. But they also have a lot of stories, um, which is interesting because I noticed the same thing when it comes to highly regulated areas of uh, commerce. Like if you look at the drug industry, look at any of Tyl- uh, if you go to Tylenol's YouTube channel and you look at their commercials, none of the commercials are like, hey, try Tylenol double action. 90% of their commercials are like, hey, look at Mary. She took Tylenol, and she's a lot better for it, and she's spending time with their kids. And I think Open Door is highly aware of that, that they're, they're, like Tyler said, it's a a very emotional uh, piece of, uh, of, of the market. And, and when you buy a home, it, it's going to be, uh, a lot of people are, are, are calling deception, uh, moving the market in different ways. But if open door can grow or outgrow this, these, uh, these, these hiccups, uh, I think that they might just grow faster than the regulators can, uh, regulate. Because uh, I don't know, that's what that's what Uber did, and and we saw how quickly that scaled up. And I, I feel like Open Door could um, hit hit that pretty well. Yeah, that's that's fair. There's a one difference, and that's cabbies don't really have social status, uh, whereas real estate agents, you know, they they move in a bit higher circle, so. If you're a regulator, you'll you'll get more birthday parties where you're running into people complaining than you did for for taxis. But yeah, fair point. I want to I want to be clear. I I don't want to sweep this under the rug like it's like it's nothing and let's move on. I I wasn't happy to see this and and I I agree. Like you you know. You never want to be in someone's crosshairs, and I think the moment that you are, now you're under the microscope, and and um, getting away with smaller things is going to be less and less likely. But at the same time, I can't say that it's unexpected, right? Like from the beginning, we've discussed the fact, and anyone who's been an open door bull or open door bear, like regardless of what side of the fence you're on, this is an emotional company to be invested in or to have an opinion on because it's residential real estate. And we all want a home. Like, 
we all we all have an opinion about what it means to have a home. And so I think I think it makes sense that there's going to be a lot of high flying emotions on this. And so the FTC director um, having colorful language about it. I don't I don't know if that necessarily means that they've got it out for open door or if it just sort of reiterates that core sentiment that this is this is a this is a really volatile um, emotionally space space to be operating in. And that's that's sort of like par for the course, right? For 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 open door. And I think if you're going to invest in it, if you're going to if you're going to follow it, it is going to be tumultuous in that regard um, for the foreseeable future. If I may um, add some color to this, um, <clears throat> so I actually my career has actually been in marketing for tech. Um, I did marketing for a very large fintech startup called Acorns. And also helped uh, launch a company called Honey that was acquired by PayPal. And one of the things that comes from marketing and startups is that early stage startups, which is kind of the years that uh, Open Door was dinged for, the marketing team is growth at all costs. You know, and so I think the other part of this is this shit happens all the time. Um, marketers do everything they can to increase conversion rates to get click through because they're judged on metrics. Uh, that are cost per lead, cost per sale, cost per house, right? And I think what really happened here is things just grow too quick and eventually someone complains and, you know, you look, and I know what these regulators do because Acorns is a, you know, we were regulated by FINRA and the SEC. Um, and in some ways, when you're working in an established area like Acorns was, where SEC laws are very clearly defined, we already knew that we needed, you know, we needed protocol to allow the SEC to review our ads every six months. But I think this kind of speaks to the situation, which is because this is completely uncharted territory, I think it just comes with that. The fact is, there were no rules, there were no regulations. And so... You know, you gotta, as the regulator, you kind of have to step up and basically make somebody the example. Um, and who who better than the largest one? But I don't think that it was ill intent from the marketers. They were just doing their jobs. And her, perhaps that sounds horrible of me to say as a marketer, but, you know, they're judged on their metrics and they did what they could to get lower cost per lead in an unregulated space. That's that's great insight, and um, maybe and then I'll I'll um, mute myself and shut up. Uh, there's another point. I noticed an article on Bloomberg. I think it was a year ago or something, where uh, there was a different angle where they said, you know, in a, a climate where it's difficult to to buy a house, suddenly uh, there's this company and it's buying up houses and it's giving them to investors, and then also you know it's in Atlanta and it's basically racist and. Um, they, I always feel like if someone has it out for you, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether the marketing team went a bit too far, which um, I, from your insight, sounds like could be the case. As soon as someone has it out for you, you can do no right. Um, so I, I wonder whether, I don't know what the name for the inverse of the halo effect is, but that's something that's going on. Uh, I just wonder what's, what's, what's next on that uh, regulation front. But I'll leave it here because I'm sure there's people who want to talk about other aspects as well. Thanks. The floor is open. Uh, take it away, whoever's ready. Hey, Tyler. So I just wanted to say, can you hear me? 
Oh, yeah. Yes. I appreciate it. I just want to say I've been following you guys for a while before you uh, made that door and everything. I, I saw this YouTube video and you, you brought a few people and you said, guys, 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 I need to tell you about this investment. Uh, it's Open Door and why I believe it's the next 10x investment. And so that from there, I've just been hooked on your content. And I just want to say I appreciate it. Um, so the, I have two questions, actually. So my first question is, uh, as we saw, they, they estimated Q3 earnings is we're going to lose an estimate around 100 plus million, right? Um, maybe, I don't know if you addressed it earlier, and I, I just got into the call a little later. I wanted to see, uh, is, is that uh, uh, your opinion? Do you think it's primarily based on the houses previously and it just cannot sell? Or is it just because the market is changing so volatilely that, you know, they have to adjust uh, so quickly that they're just expecting they're going to lose this much? Hey, man. Um, thanks for the kind words. So so in regards to this question, I think, uh, I think you know, what, what, I, what I recently wrote about in, in, uh, on Datadora, I, I sort of talked about the fact that Open Door has some problems in their current inventory, and and what we saw is that in the middle of the summer, Open Door accumulated a lot of homes at a time when homes began depreciating. It was like the the moment that um, mortgages went through the six percent ceiling, and Open Door was already under contract for thousands and thousands of homes. And as they mentioned on their, on their earnings call, they made the decision not to cancel those, those purchases because they wanted to commit to their brand. They wanted the idea of their offer being final and they didn't want to be associated with, you know, um, weak offers or, or that they would retract offers given volatility. And so what we saw is that Open Door absorbed all this inventory that suddenly was worth less than, um, than they could sell it for just because of the, the speed that the market turned. And I, I would say throughout 99% of U.S. residential real estate history, this wouldn't be a problem because real estate doesn't move that fast. But of course, for this uh, four to six week period, uh, U.S. residential real estate decided to move at a rate that we've never seen before. And um, and it made, it, it made Open Door's inventory be much less valuable. And so their estimates for Q3 are a reflection of that, that they think that the inventory that they currently have, they have too much inventory and it's worth less than they thought it was going to be. And so they're going to prioritize selling through that inventory, which means reducing prices and um, and just getting it out the door. And so that's going to result in lower margins overall. Uh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, I was just confused because I was looking at the earnings. I'm like, Wow, they're gonna lose 140 million. But I was uh, I was on Datador and I was looking, and I'm like, well, they're estimated to do this. So I was just a little confused based on those numbers. And then number two, are you at all concerned for uh, you know moving forward? So that was Q3 uh, from Q4 that they'll be able to be sustainable and uh, not take such big losses uh, compared from Q3 because of those under contracts. Yeah, so the, the numbers on Datador were just for Q2. So the Q2 numbers, you know, were really great. Um, and that's that's kind of what we were forecasting with our Q2 estimates. The numbers that I was just talking about in my answer were for Q3 and and uh, 
Um, also Q4. So to answer your second question, just the way that they've, they're modeling for those home sales to go and the amount of inventory that they have, there will definitely be an impact, um, a negative impact on margins for Q4 as well. The good news, and this is, this is what I would say is exciting about, um, you know, what we're monitoring with, with data door is that they, they have indeed widened spreads, um, for homes purchased over the past month. And that means that margins should approach, you know, for, for homes purchased in August, September, October, and so on, margins sh- should approach more normal levels as a consequence of their response to, you know, this, this rapid transition. I appreciate it. That, that, those are my only two questions. So thank you so much. Hi, Tyler. This is Adam. Can you guys hear me? So my question is, uh, how long do we do we think that uh, Open Door might have to sustain current conditions? Because I I fully expect the Fed is going to cave um, very soon and and move back into a a more moderate position. Just looking at the size of the U.S. debt portfolio, um, you know, politicians don't like stop spending money, and raising these interest rates is going to limit their ability to spend uh, moving forward. So I kind of expect that's going to moderate. And we'll see housing values, you know, yes, in the current quarter, maybe they're down. But if you look out over a year, I feel better about my house, you know, my residential uh, real estate investment portfolio than I do about stocks or any other kind of risk assets. So uh, I'm bullish long-term open door. What I don't know is where the stock goes from now until the start of 2023, which I've got some options that (laughs) will matter uh, how we finish the year. I mean, do you, do you have a sense of how long, I mean, you said they've got deep reserves. So I'm assuming they can survive a couple of down quarters, like you said, in building their brand of having a solid offer that they're making to consumers, which I think is super important. Like they're the huge difference to me between a good real estate agent and what they're doing is they're making you a firm offer. Real estate agents just forecast what they might be able to get you procure a sale. And that's a huge value difference for uh, somebody who's looking to sell their house. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I I totally agree with that sentiment. I think, you know, I, I've been a little bit more guarded on, on my overall coverage of Open Door over the past probably two or three months, just because the data are telling me that they're not doing as well as they were for the first six months, right? Like first six months of the year, I'm psyched about what Open Door is doing. I'm, you know, the thesis is proving itself, um, you know, but then we have this this event. And it's like, I got to be honest with you about, about, you know, what's happening. And it, it's not helpful for anyone if I'm like, you know, bullish all the time, hyper bullish all the time, like they're, they mess up. And that's, that's like a part of this, right? They're not, they're not a perfect company. And and I don't think any of them are, but the mistake, the mistake to be made would be to misinterpret that as they're going to go bankrupt. And that's what a lot of people seem to be celebrating is like calling time of death, prematurely on this company. And like I said, like a couple quarters of, and and truthfully, it's really only going to be Q3 that sees the brunt of it, right? Like Q3 is going to see the brunt of this transit transitory period. Q4, especially in the back half is going to get the benefit of very widened spreads, defensive positioning um, to sell off the remainder of the inventory. And then by Q1, you know, homes are going to be, uh, certainly appreciating again, provided provided that nothing crazy happens in the mortgage market. But 
Um, that's just like general seasonality. But to answer your question, yes, open door can survive a few down quarters. And, and I think once this stabilizes, like they're currently proving out the idea that in a down market, they can improve, um, conversion despite widened spreads. And that's, that's the whole thesis. If you can do that, then you can survive a down market. The biggest issue here today, and the thing that's most surprising about this year is the speed and amplitude from peak to trough that we saw that, that is going to negatively impact Q3. I also want to add, we are on the bleeding edge of this technology. And if we if we know anything from like tech in the last fifteen years is that it that's the general direction that everything's moving. Open door is probably the most qualified and, and ready for this transition. And, and we're also at it like the weirdest time in the housing market altogether. So nevertheless, this is like really interesting stuff. Um it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that they 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 go through this entire down market, but uh, I mean it's going to build resilience in the long term for Open Door, and this is probably the most important time to be focusing on how they're going to be reacting. And uh, if they can get through this, where everybody else has failed, uh, a la Zilla, Zillow. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. And, and speaking of Zillow, like they just, they, they lost 880 million and now they're betting on open door. I mean, they, they probably, they've learned a lot of, they've learned their mistakes pretty well. And I, I, I think it's a really, really good, uh, good uh, omen to see that uh, Zillow is investing in open door. Tyler and data door team, if you don't mind, I have a thought, which was, um, I read somewhere, and you guys are closer to the data, but I read somewhere that even during the 08 housing crash, uh, housing prices, even though in the macro level, it looks like, oh man, they fell 30%, 40%. But I read somewhere that the mar- the prices actually only dropped about a percent and a half per month. And it just happened to fall for two to three years straight. And I'm curious if you guys, with all the data that you have today of median holding times, median list to sale, um, you know, you could technically take today's data, overlay it on top of the 2008 market in, in terms of how quickly the, the prices fell. Because, you know, Open Door's keeping 5%, even if the house drops a percent and a half per month, with the median hold time, they should actually still be okay, even in a 2008 scenario. Is that, do you guys think that that's somewhat accurate? I just want to quickly jump in with a, an addendum to that question, if I can. Like the other thing to learn from the 2008 housing crisis is that the drops were not uniformly distributed across the country, right? There were certain markets that felt it more than other markets. And I'm curious as Open Door expands its market share, if it can cushion these types of like vol- this type of volatility because it, it is usually never uniform across the country. It's yeah. isolated to certain markets. Arjun, actually, the number I had was specific to one of the worst markets. So to your point, it's yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is these these are great questions. Thank you guys so much. I, I think um, yeah, I mean the answer the answer to the question is definitely yes. Like if you're 
if, if homes are, are decreasing a percent and a half per month and you're open door, you can widen spreads by 5% or plus, especially in those volatile times because homeowners don't have a choice, right? Like homeowners are just like, I need equity. I need to move. There's still over 4 million home sales in, uh, in, in 08, uh, you know, at, at the trough. And I think, I think that that sort of tells you that in such an environment, would it, would it break open door? I don't know. I don't know. But certainly I expect that open door would be able to widen spreads and at least make 5% in such a time gross profit margins. It, it would be tough and right. And volume would come down. But like the biggest issue today is that uh, the drop is much, much deeper than the great financial crisis. Um, I think I, I read an article the other day that said it was 11% in a month, which is an absurd amount that I, I've never seen before, certainly studying U.S. residential real estate. And so if that's true, then I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know actually how Open Door, OfferPad, Redfin are still afloat um, if those numbers are true. What it does seem to indicate is, is, as you guys said, is that real estate is local and markets don't behave in tandem. And, and that's what's showing up in the data data door is that, you know, Phoenix is Phoenix sucks right now. Like Phoenix embedded gross margin is bullshit. Like uh, it's frustrating to look at. And, but then you look at Atlanta and Atlanta's like, everything is just fine and dandy. Everything is totally fine in Atlanta. And in the future, I think, you know, margins are going to come down a little bit in Atlanta, some of the, some of the more recent stuff, but it just sort of tells you that, the markets aren't behaving the exact same way. And that's not that's not like a pricing issue or something that those managers are doing better in Atlanta versus Phoenix. It's it's just that those markets are behaving differently. And I think it's the weather. Term, yeah. Yeah. Longer term is as open door gets to the point where they're they're able to diversify into more markets and Phoenix isn't like, you know, fourteen to fifteen percent of total sales. In that situation, I think uh, it matters less uh, how how one market does. I think the other thing you, we need to be careful about is is comparing 2008 when there was a lot of things that were different. I was serving on a credit union board, so I was watching monthly board reports of um, you know what was happening in the mortgage markets. You want to look at that data carefully because at the start of the whole downturn in 2007. We actually had huge amounts of residential housing inventory um, and a lot of liar loans out there and lots of unoccupied houses where today you're seeing the raising of rates, like Tyler said, going very high, but you're in an environment where the actual supply is still highly constrained. So I think we're going to see some different dynamics as we exit kind of this uh, quantitative tightening. Um, And you're not going to see the exact same behavior in real estate because there is a bunch of buyers that want houses unlike in 2008 where there was a lot more inventory than there were buyers. Hey Adam, thank you for that. How do you guys rate the chances that uh, OfferPad will make it through this thing? I mean, personally, I I think, I think they're going to do just fine. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going about it a different way, right? Like, Open Door is approaching this problem from a tech perspective because their long-term goal is to own the space, to to do hundreds of thousands of home sales a year. That's not OfferPad's goal. Like, they want to cut off 
a, a chunk of this, um, but a very small chunk relative to what Open Door's aspirations are. And so as a result, they don't need to have the same spending on, on R&D and tech. They're partnering with real estate agents like they're they were started by a real estate agent. So it's 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 a very different way of solving this problem. Um, and they found a low cost way of doing it. And they have a high NPS score that isn't as high as Open Door, but it's still an impressive one. So I think, you know, they've they've done a decent job of of staying afloat. And um, you know, I, I think I think Open Door leaned into the market and conservatism in Q2, which allowed them to have much, much higher gross profit margins than OfferPad. But overall, they they tend to be about the same the same level of margin as Open Door. That's a bit of a shame. I would have hoped uh, that there wouldn't be. Um, so it kind of sounds like OfferPad is turning into the lift. What? Uh, uh, no, 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 open no, no. Uber. No, 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 no. no. Lyft and Lyft and Uber are are in the same. They're they're playing the same game. Like they're they're both they're both at the same relative level. Like that you're, you're talking about, like Lyft and Uber, Visa, Mastercard. Like that is not OfferPad and an open door. Like they're it, they're it's a very different. Maybe maybe it's like Visa and American Express, right? Like it's it's a very different. It's not Coke and Pepsi. It's it's a much 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 smaller business that's going to be continuously smaller by percentage of market share over the next decade. I just mean to say that I'm, I'm not worried that OfferPad is going to go bankrupt or I think um, they're a doomed company or I'm going to have some like tribalism that Open Door is the better company and, and all that stuff. I just mean OfferPad is fine. I just, I just think they're going to be a lot smaller. And, and it is kind of like the winner uh, wins most, like the Yahoo and Google thing. Uh, for the most part, that's what you're you're talk- speaking to, Tyler. Is, is that right? Yeah, I just I just mean like off- OfferPad doesn't have the same aspirations as Open Door. They they're not trying to have fifty billion in revenue, right? Like they're they their big bullish post and their and their SPAC IPO was I think like twenty three billion. Um, and Open Door's fifty billion is is a pittance relative to what they're actually targeting. They just you know you need to have a number up there and. And need to have the numbers make sense, but um, just the investment that Open Door is making in the full stack of real estate technology solutions and third-party marketplace. Now they have this is something that we haven't talked about, but like notice the word the wording around uh, Open Door and Zillow's relationship, right? Like they they now have a multi-year exclusive partnership, and so you know the the Klingons, which are the offer pad you know, versus Open Door and the Redfin versus Zillow, uh, who are participating in the space, but not at the same scale, are now excluded from this exclusive multi-year relationship between Open Door and Zillow, who are, you know, uh, the apex predators in the respective space. And a- a- as a result, it's sort of like the rich get richer, right? Because Open Door is going to get more eyeballs, Zillow is going to get high margin um, uh, uh, profit. It's like, yeah, they're, they're the best position to succeed in their space. How long until uh, Redfin does the same with OfferPad? Oh, Red, Redfin, sorry. Redfin is not, I don't have the same opinion on Redfin. Redfin's going to fail. Redfin, Redfin now's business is ridiculous. I can't believe that's still, that's still a thing. Two and a half percent contribution margin in Q2 when Open Doors was double digit is absurd. And it's been that way 
for over a year now. I don't know why they're continuing to spend money on iBuying. It's it's not a space. It's not a side hustle. And sorry to to maybe um, clarify. I mean, uh, what if Redfin goes the way of Zillow and says, "I'm going to quit this iBuying myself, but I'll happily take referral fees from from uh, off, uh, offer pad." So getting the same collaboration going. I mean that that is the partnership that I wrote about uh, uh, last year. I think Redfin and Offerpad as a team make total sense, and they they actually um, serve very different customers, right? Like Redfin's customer on average is buying a home twice as expensive as Offerpad's, um, so the synergies hit more cleanly. Uh, yeah, I think I think a partnership there would make a ton of sense, but even still, it's. I don't think Redfin plus OfferPad is better than Zillow plus Opendoor. I think it's the sum of the parts are much higher at Zillow and Opendoor. And to add to that, uh, Redfin currently has a partnership with uh, Opendoor, right? If True. you go on Redfin's uh, site, look up your home, and you're in a market that they cover, you will see sell your home with Opendoor. We discussed this yesterday on the Discord. So that's a feature that is there for over a year now i think so I mean, we don't know if it's exclusive like the zillow relationship but uh, i assume that inspired zillow to do the same thing i, I want to bring up um the comparison between amazon and ebay if you look 20 years ago ebay and amazon looked very similar business models The difference between Amazon and eBay today is Amazon invested in infrastructure and a lot of things to change the market that it was in, not to participate in it. What you see in Redfin and Offerpad, they're participating in the market, but Opendoor has so many like weird bets that people aren't even talking about. Look at Opendoor Max that's only like really only exclusive in, in Phoenix and they have not advertised it a bit. Um, that is, is very similar to Robin hood and just, um, they're also buying all these remodeling tech companies. Where's me and, uh, Tyler Oakland. I mean, Tyler has, has gone on by uh, talking about open door home and, and, and what that could look like in the future. But all these other companies aren't really like focused on these, these weird, uh, ways of growing out like horizontally, um, Open doors is doing so many weird things that's it's that's going to change the the whole industry the the way that we're thinking about it now is is going to change drastically in the next few years. Yeah, they do have a lot of nice agencies that they're pursuing. I, I wonder on the iBuying front when that business model becomes a bit more known. Uh, by by the general public, you know, if I'm thinking about selling my house, I if I know about i buying as a concept, I'll get a quote from every i buyer and just take the one that gives me the highest offer. Right? Um, if that happens, does that kind of turn it into uh, a bit of a race to the bottom, or is a duopoly still fine in that space? A duopoly for for who? I reckon Redfin will get out. So uh, open door and off bed. I just, I mean, no. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. This is a hundred percent data. This is like a data problem. The reason why Yahoo 
isn't Google is because Google knows what you want to search for and they give you better results. Uh, that's what TikTok is doing to all the other social media platforms. It's all about data. And whoever has the best data will end up winning. And, and what we're seeing now is Open Doors buying more homes, selling more homes. They're, they're having way more data points than any of these other companies. Like in the future, yeah, I mean, sure, maybe Redfin like uh, offers a higher price on one home, but uh, Open Doors algorithm is going to know what to do with that money way more efficiently five, uh, 50 days in the future. And they're going to be able to fire their cash way more efficiently because of their data. Um, so I, I, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, to, to, to kind of dovetail off, off of that idea is, uh, I talked about the fact that OfferPad and Open Door are going about this different ways. And the reason that's important is because long-term, because Open Door is investing in a scalable model, that means they're going to have the least expensive solution running. So they'll make the most money charging the less, the, the least amount. And, and so while, while OfferPad looks more competitive today, longer term, and especially as Open Door benefits from the scale economies of being, I don't know, t- 8 to 10x larger than OfferPad, um, those, those differences are going to materialize in a more dramatic way. And housing is such a big space that you can't really absorb those costs for long, which is why I'm so curious about what Redfin is doing in their business. Like why continue to have such terrible unit economics in this space as a side hustle? It doesn't make any sense other than the fact that it's no longer a growing business and they're trying to gross up revenue. That kind of makes sense to me. But at the end of the day, what what I'm saying is that like there's not really going to be a duopoly in the space. There's only one company that can really survive despite the fact, not survive, but, but thrive and reach this massive scale, uh, despite the fact that it's a massive industry. And so like, I think OfferPad is going to be fine and maybe Redfin clings on and some other power buyers come in. Sure. But it, it's such a large space. And as Open Door continues to get to this point where their operating costs are so low relative to these other companies, it's just not going to make sense to compete. It's going to be like, what? I don't, I don't have the size, I don't have the the tech automation, I don't, I don't have, you know, I, I don't have the boots on the ground or whatever it is that the proprietary data, like Riley was talking about, that is going to get me to the scale that this is that'll make enough of a profit that the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> I think to that point, I think in the future that Open Door is not going to try to compete with these companies. Like if you look at if you look at the monopolies, uh, they they monopolies today try to convince regulators that they're not a monopoly, while companies that aren't a monopoly try to convince investors that they are. And so in the future, uh, I mean, like Google right now could eat Yahoo by or. or um, like Apple right now could just destroy any of its competitors just by deleting their app off the app store. Of course they don't do that because that would be looking really bad to regulators. So in the future, like open door is not going to have any, they're not going to try to compete with all these other the players. Cause they're just going to be in a completely different league of their own. So, can I ask a question? So, so when you guys say there's only one, one that emerges here, I mean, if I recall the article, we're at about half percent penetration in the markets that they participate. So wouldn't that suggest that there's room no one, for no one's, no one's saying 
no one's saying there's only going to be one that's going to emerge. Uh, okay. I, mean, I, I just I just want to make that clear. We're not saying that there's only going to be one that that's going to emerge. Like I said, OfferPad is going to do just fine. I, I think Redfin Redfin is just a bad is doing eye buying bad. That's why I don't think they're they're going to survive. But I do think that there's there's plenty of pie to go around for everyone. So I, I want to I want to make that clear. I don't think that it's only going to be Open Door. I'm just saying you get to this point where. Opendoor has these scale economies and it has this 10 plus years of inspecting homes and all that accumulated data advantage. And people just look at the space and they're like, Jesus, like maybe I'll try to compete, you know, in this, in this one, in this one area. Right. But I'm, I'm not going to go head to head on iBuying buying against Opendoor as a 2023 company launched at that point. It's just like it, like I said, the juice is not worth the squeeze. I, I have a quick question or, or comment um, uh, just one of the things about the open door thesis seems to be that like the longer that they're in the market, the more data that they get, the better they become at pricing houses. But it, it just seems like the market that they, they were in the longest, which is Phoenix seemed to be almost offering that, well, that's, they should by all marks of like the data collection thesis, the home inspection, all the aggregate that should have been their best. Um, market and they should have had the best insight and the most knowledge, but it seems like that's where the most damage is happening currently. I was just say, wondering if you could comment on that. <clears throat> hey, can I can I actually add something real quick to what David just said? Uh, Go for it. Yeah. So, well, uh, this is particularly relevant because I guess I'm 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 a machine learning guy, and this is something that's been bucking me for a while, and uh, full disclosure, I mean, Open Door is my largest position. Uh, and so, you know, all, all of the points that you, David, and Riley and Tyler just, just talk about, I've been wondering how can we verify this sort of data advantage? Because that's sort of like my biggest hope in the sense that as they keep operating in these markets, the data advantage, which is compound. And what happened in this quarter to the point that David has said about Phoenix and overall the result towards the end of Q2, which will lead to Q3, it's really sort of making me really concerned because if they are eight to 10 times bigger than offer pad, that just means that the mistake will just cost eight to 10 times more. And going forward, I mean, you know, like they are at the size now where you feel like they have been doing a pretty good job overall, but how, how would we ever know that they can really close this gap, right? Because it, it, it feels like these problems would always kind of be there from time to time. And what has happened in Phoenix in the past quarter kind of shows that, okay, their model is not really doing the job if the pricing accuracy is a big part of the thesis. And so the question is going forward, like what is it going to take to really close that gap? Is it more data? Is it, you know, human making the decision? Because I guess I, I would not like to have someone sitting inside an open door and making the call about the Fed. Like that's, you know, that, that should not be anybody's job. So, uh, Love to to just kind of throw it out there and see if anybody has any any thoughts to kind of push back on that. Yeah, i i think uh, I think it's it totally makes sense as a concern, which is why I wrote about 
Phoenix recently, and I, I think it makes sense to be to be concerned about it. I would say I got three three sort of items that I would push back. One is the speed that we that we saw this peak to trough, which we've we've already discussed discussed a little bit. And I think I, I think it's not a great excuse, right? Like it's it's not a complete excuse. And I've already said that I think that they did a poor job responding. But I think there's still two other important caveats to this that specifically affect the Phoenix market. One, it's their oldest market, right? So they have they have unique confidence. This is their backyard. This is like this is their home field is, is Phoenix, right? And, and so when you think about that from a confidence standpoint, in t- when times are tough, you can imagine that they would, they would prioritize transactions in their backyard, but it also might mean that they're overconfident in that, in that area. And so they think that they can price that, that space more accurately possibly than they can. And that's, that's based on a few things, right? Like they might have an actually lower gross profit margin target in Phoenix because they have scaled operations in that area, right? Like perhaps their selling costs and holding holding costs, operational expenses are lower in Phoenix. And so they, they say like, oh, we can set a lower target gross profit margin for our portfolio in Phoenix because we know that we're going to hit the same contribution profit margin targets. And so all of that confidence, all of that, all of that planning could get you to the point where you know, maybe maybe you're getting overconfident in in your home market, right? But then there's the this other point, and this is really critical. And and I kind of came to this from a few different directions. But one is just realizing that Phoenix's gross profit margin has been be- below average, really, for the past year. Like relative to some of their other uh, markets, like Atlanta, for example, Phoenix is always 200 to 300 basis points lower than Atlanta. And you kind of wonder, like, why? Why is it that way? But then if you know any real estate professionals who've worked in Phoenix or Atlanta, it's super clear. Phoenix is a desert. It's super easy to price homes in, in Phoenix, right? Like, you know, the zip code, you know, it's a three bed, two bath. You already have a price in your mind. If you're a, if you're a Phoenix realtor, um, it's super easy to like, it, it, it's just from a, from a price discovery standpoint, it's a lot easier. And the way that open door prices homes is it actually budgets into its offer, into its spread how confident it is in the purchase price. And so that that's baked in. And so you already have higher gross profit margins and more challenging to price markets like Atlanta, right? Because in Atlanta, the topography is different. They have basements. There's all this unknown data. And so the consumer isn't as aware of what their home is worth as much as Phoenix. And so Open Door is actually able to charge higher spreads in, in Atlanta at baseline because the price discovery is, is more at a premium. And so at Phoenix, they're giving these these more inline offers because that's what they have to do to maintain conversion. Whereas in in Atlanta, they're actually pricing in that risk in the initial offer. And so as a result, what we're seeing is that Phoenix just on basis does worse than other markets. And so what is Phoenix right now? Shitty? Yes. Um, Do I have concerns about, about how they're performing in Phoenix? Sure. But it's not as much of an absolute drawdown as you might expect, given that Phoenix generally underperforms relative to other markets, just on the basis of, of really how I, I think they approach that market. Tyler, I, would just I actually like, want to um, ask you. Yeah, go RBR. Oh, I just want to make a quick statement. Uh, we have a listener here called Tatiana. She constantly shit posts uh, Open Door on uh, Twitter. 
Welcome, Tatiana. <laughs> you want to speak? Any other questions on the Q2 earnings call or the Q3 guidance that we can give color in? Uh, I just wanted to, um, hey, this is Karthik here. I just wanted to congratulate you, Tyler, and the team for uh, just phenomenal analysis. Uh, I, I actually was a bear of uh, Open Door before COVID because I didn't think uh, asset heavy model at that point could survive. But then going through COVID and now going through another unprecedented uh, situation, I think it, it'd be really interesting to see how these two black swan events in a span of two, two and a half years is actually impacting their algorithms, right? Because on the face of it, it seems like maybe it didn't work as well as it should have, but was that potentially uh, humans just freezing because it's, it's you know, the speed at which it happened. But one would assume that if you go through such black swan events and the models hold up and you come out of it, hopefully that, you know, it's better for going through this. And the second thing I'm just curious about is one of the things that I think the market is failing to, in my opinion, understand about Open Door is uh, the end goal is not just to be an I buyer, right? It's being priced as an I buyer, much like Tesla was being priced as an auto company. I'm just curious if you or anyone here has any thoughts of or you know, would love to get connected to Eric Wu and the team there to have and build a community because I think this is one of the most misunderstood companies that is out there. Hey, hey, Karthik, thanks so much. Or Karthik, thanks so much for saying that. Um, we are we are actively working on on doing just that. Like the mission of Datador is to become the town square for all things prop tech um, and i buying. And and I think you know we've got a Discord now. We've got a Reddit. Um, we have a, we have a beautifully designed website, courtesy of Sebastian. Um, so I think I think the core the core focus of what we're doing is to try to make this space less emotion and more data. Um, and, and it's hard. It's like pulling teeth sometimes. But um, I I do I do believe that this is the way that people this is the dominant way that people are going to transact homes in the 2030s and it's not going to be it's not going to be a linear path it's there's going to be bumps in the road um but but i think i, I think it's still early and and everything everything that we're seeing in the data and everything that we've seen from the company really shows uh you know a business in its early stages of, of becoming what we expect it to be yep thanks again guys Hey Tyler, I, I really appreciate what you're doing with Data Door. I've uh, I've been an investor in Open Door really since just after the merger with with IPOB, and and I started reading about it uh, early on. Um, I read your more recent articles on home price appreciation stuff um, and how that's not really a huge factor in Open Doors. Um, really, how how they're going to perform in the market going forward just because they'll have the ability to i guess adjust their buy box as necessary to account for some of the turbulence in the market after this earnings report 
do you have any change? I guess it's my first question. Do you have any change in that opinion? Are you, are you thinking at least HPA at a consistent level, even if it's 0%, 1% is important for open door? Any kind of turbulence in the market going forward would cause some um, issues like this for open door? Or do you think that they'll be able to, to project out further and maybe see these events coming further out and plan for them better? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think, uh, you know, the point of my spread article was just, I was tired of listening to people saying that, of course, open door is profitable in an up market. Like you could, you could close your eyes and throw a dart and you'd hit the jackpot on whatever residential real estate that you bought. And I just intuitively, that didn't make sense for me when I looked at the company. And, and I think, the the purpose of that study wasn't necessarily, you know, here's what HPA's value is or here's what spreads value is. It was just to recognize that HPA is not the sole driver of margin in any cycle, up or down. Um, and it was certainly an up cycle when I was measuring it. it I was more just emphasizing that Open Door is trying to hit certain targets on both the purchase and the sale. It's, an, it's a portfolio approach. And so to dumb it down to it's all HPA is, is a mistake for the company. And I, I still believe actually that in a, in a down to flat market, open door would do very well, right? Cause they, they would be able to maximize spreads and have those mimic HPA. Um, and, and still actually have pretty, pretty superlative margins. What's important to, to not forget is like the past year, was the hottest real estate market of all time. And that's, that's not characteristic of an up market. And so we can't sort of use that as a template for what open door would look like in an, in an up market. I think, I think in a moderate up market and a moderate down market, open door could have gross profit margins of nine, nine to 10%, no problem. And if you add in ancillary services, open door exclusives, third party marketplace, uh, you know, maybe you start to get in that like 11 to 12% range, but but yeah, I think I think the question isn't isn't so much is it up or down market. It's really the transition period that's so hard because once they can be in this conservative mode, as we've seen, like like for example, in Phoenix, Open Door has lowered uh, purchase price on Phoenix homes by fifty thousand dollars over the past month. Like that's that's a lot, right? Like that's that's a material amount for the company. It's it's ten percent of of their purchase price. Yeah. So if, if they can do that and still actually show that they've purchased more homes than they have in a year uh, in a given week in that market, I think that kind of that kind of meets my criteria for open door has a greater value proposition and can thrive in a down market. It's just OK. Yeah, we just have this weird transition point that I think they caught they got caught a little bit. And and I think it would have been hard not to be. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I guess that actually brings up two more questions. Um, and they're probably the questions we're all asking ourselves. But the first one is, we obviously know that Open Door has some fixed operating costs, just having their office, their executive team, the, the people that are running things, and then they have marginal costs for every new market that they step into. What is a reasonable projected volume uh, like gross profit or, or I guess sales, you could call it gross revenue. What, what's a reasonable projected gross revenue at their current margins that 
they really need to run in order to stay profitable? Is it in the $4 billion range that they've been running? Yeah, it's, this, is a t- this is a tough question. I think, I think from here on out, if they hit $5 billion and they have nine, a little over 9% gross profit margins, they can be a profitable company. Um, that's kind of like table stakes to, to do, to do their business profitably. Okay. No, that's fair enough. And I know that's a hard question. That's, that's really what we're all trying to put models together to figure out, I guess the the last of those based on the revenue. Yeah. I guess the last of those questions would be, you you mentioned 2030s you're seeing, or, or you would expect that most home transactions are done this way, or, or maybe a, a large percentage, maybe not most. I'm not sure if that's what you said, but if that's the case, does that in theory tend to prevent some of these black swan events? If you've got more um, data driven buying of homes, more transactions are done by big eye buyers. Is that, does that create more stability in a market? And is that a good thing that homeowners can start to feel more confident in the value of a home that they're buying from an iBuyer, even if they're paying a little bit more than the iBuyer paid, they know that they're not way upside down in a house uh, like they could be with some real estate agent representing it that doesn't necessarily have their interests in mind. Yeah. I mean, what? A, there's so much to unpack about that that question. Like, I think, I think first and foremost, my belief is that in the future, most homes will be bought and sold by corporations. And that's like, that's just based on business theory, right? Like, like the same people who built cars when cars first came out would were complaining when, you know, the assembly line came out. And the belief was that, you know, you're never going to make a car as, as, as perfect or as beautiful um, as, you know, like an, an individual artisan. And then the assembly line came out and it's like, actually, there's a lot of there's a lot of mistakes that we can minimize by by making this process more efficient, and and that's just like how how businesses work and they scale and they you know they 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 create new value. But I think I think to answer the second part of your question is just that once Open Door reaches a certain amount of scale, they they like you said they have a huge data advantage when it comes to demand. But but even more than that, they have a market diversification advantage.